All right, everybody. We've got one last fireside chat here at the Freight Waves TV stage for the first day of our Future of Freight Festival. My name is Kaylee Nix, morning show host of Freight Waves Now, host of At Your Doorstep, Great Quarter Gals, senior meteorologist, you name it, the list goes on and on. We're here with Bill Driegert from Uber Freight. And Bill, thank you for making it here to Chattanooga for the Future of Freight Festival. We're excited to welcome you guys and Uber Freight and talk a little bit about the environment right now. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always great to get down here to these events. And that's, uh, I heard earlier, it's the largest crowd yet for this uh, event. So always good to be here. Yeah, we're super excited that we have record conference attendance for this conference out of any of our Freight Waves conferences. This is on our home turf for the very first time ever. So it's like expected, anticipated, very exciting to have this many people here. Let's get into right away the topic at hand. We're talking a lot, obviously, about innovation, digitization, all those fancy buzzwords in the freight space right here. It's the future of freight festival. Like we're talking about the future. But let's kind of explain the current situation in the freight markets, especially on the carrier side. We've seen a whiplash, basically, from carrier power to now them sitting here saying we're in a tough market these last two years. What is your take on where we sit currently? Yeah, it's been an incredibly volatile market over the last two and a half years and very difficult for carriers to predict what's going to happen in the next six months. We saw a dramatic run-up of rates through the pandemic. Well, we initially saw a collapse, and then from May or so of 2020, we saw a dramatic, unprecedented historical run-up of rates. And then this year, we've seen rates collapse. They dropped over 30% since their peaks in January, and we've seen spot volume just disappear. And acceptance rates are now 95% plus, no freight is rolling to the spot market. If you're a carrier, it's very hard to stabilize your earnings to get consistent cash flow in a market like that. And so for them, they're looking, carriers are, are looking for new ways of approaching the market. They're looking for better information. They're looking for better tools. The other thing we saw through the pandemic is as rates surged, we saw carriers come into the market at a faster rate than they ever had historically. So we saw FMCSA registrations come through at three times the rate that they had historically. So we heard our founder and CEO, Craig Fuller, talking a lot about a freight recession. He's been kind of adamant that we are in this recessionary time, at least for the freight markets, if not for the general economy. And we heard him ask several of our speakers up there today, is this a freight recession? I want to get your thoughts. Are we in a true freight recession yet? If not, are we heading towards one? That's, I guess that depends on the technical definition of recession, right? But we are predicting, we do believe we are at or near the floor on spot rates, but not on contract, and that those contract rates will continue to level off. And we think that rate, like blended rates throughout the market are probably going to go sideways for another three quarters, realistically. Now, you know, plus or minus a quarter, but really, once you get in the second quarter next year, I hope you see some relief on rates where those will start to recover. We're definitely at a place now where uh, it's very difficult if you're a marginal carrier to find uh, freight that will actually cover your cost if you don't already have that locked in. Because what we're seeing is the cost of carriers to operate has also exploded. And in August, that average was 220 a mile. That means you've got carriers that are on the higher end of that spectrum, 250 plus, and it's going to be very hard for them to find freight that will keep them uh, profitable. So doubtless if we're in a technical recession or not, everybody's facing these recessionary pressures, right? Like you can tell the pressure's on, especially if you are that small to mid-sized carrier. And if you're not making business changes, chances are you might not survive the end of the year. You might not survive the first quarter of 2023. When you're talking about what carriers can do to make their businesses a little bit more resilient, what do you think are some of those first line options, first lines of defense? Well, there's a lot of new technology. So of course, I've got to talk about the technology. 
Uh, a lot of it's represented here at the conference, but us and others have given carriers much better access to information, much better access to freight. We often like to talk about how we liberated the freight. And what we mean by that is we made freight a one-click execution, one-click access, where if I'm an owner-operator, small carrier, and a large carrier as well, because we're now really seeing the advent of APIs and faster connections with large carriers within their native TMS systems. But if I'm a small carrier, I can log into a system like ours. I can see what the price is. And I know it's a real price. So that's a market price. I now have some information that I can then take to the market and I can take to other brokers or shippers and negotiate with. But I can also, of course, hit the button and execute and now have uh, freight. And that keeps my truck moving. So I know I've always got an option. Uh, having access to that information also lets them make decisions faster around, do I want to park my truck? Because if it gets too tough, out there and I just can't cover my cost, um, we're hearing from carriers that they're, they're parking their trucks. And so more access to information through multiple tools, better pricing information, better capacity information, that gives carriers a little more control over their business. And the other thing I would say is just, you know, tools like uh, Freight Waste provides and others in terms of sonar, like that data, if, if you're a carrier, Having that information can let you understand what's the spot contract mix look like? What does my spot contract mix look like? Am I going to be underwater because I'm 100% spot when spot's drying up? Should I be more thoughtful next year thinking about contract versus spot mix? There's so much more data available to make those sorts of decisions. And I think that's where, as a carrier, every carrier should be thinking about, am I getting the right information? Am I thinking both strategically and tactically about the market? Knowledge is the ultimate power when it comes to how you navigate a, a, an economic downturn, right? Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I not? No one can tell you for sure. But if you have a little bit of guided insight, then can you, you can at least make an educated decision. Let's talk a little bit about determining factors for who makes it and who doesn't make it out of a freight downturn. How much of an impact do you think this quarter, Q4, and then moving into the first quarter of 2023 will be on who survives and who doesn't? I think there's two primary factors. One is the cost basis, right? So for the smaller carriers that came in at a higher cost basis, they just, they're always going to be operating at a bit of a disadvantage to those who locked in lower cost basis, be it, you know, salaries to the drivers or, you know, better fuel hedging, or uh, they just bought trucks at a lower price. Like that's what the cost basis is, you know, that that's one thing, that's just the hurdle you have to get over. The other is the spot to contract mix. So where a carrier is in that mix right now is very much going to determine their success over the next six to nine months. And unfortunately, a lot of those decisions were made, you know, three, six, nine months ago. And so this year, as an example, any carrier that went long on contract coming into this year and got very aggressive did very well through the year because those contracts were locked in at a higher rate, rates dropped, they did well. Now, if they were heavy on spot, they're doing poorly going into next year, it's a little more unknown because contract rates are hitting a, a trough. And so if I go into next year overly aggressive on contract, then am I going to be suffering? I got to leave some room for the spot trade-off. And so I think for the carriers that you're just going to see uh, maybe fall out of the market or have a really difficult time, one, it's if, if they're already cash tight, they're coming into the first and second quarter, and we're continuing to see rates go sideways, no spot access. And if I'm a new carrier that came into the market that's highly dependent on spot, it's just going to be very difficult, right? I'd be thinking about parking my truck if I can, uh, if I can't cover my basic cost with the spot rate. So I think those are the carriers that can have the hardest time. The carriers that recently came in that probably have a very heavy spot mix that also have a high operating cost, those are going to be the most difficult operations to run right now. 
I want to touch a little bit on that sweet spot between a true contract and playing the spot market, right? There's mini bids as people started calling it. You're talking a shorter bid cycle. You're talking weeks to maybe a month or two. So you have that flexibility without necessarily being so susceptible to the craziness of a spot market massive drop, right? How do you think that carriers of all sizes, but specifically small and medium, can leverage that changing trend in pricing timing and pricing and pricing schedules to really change it to their advantage? Yes. So we have absolutely seen bid cycles become much more frequent and shippers are going to market much more often now. They're also leveraging more real-time pricing channels to just move with the market. And it's a it's a hedge for the, the shippers because if you're moving with the market, then you know you're always going to get service, but you may end up paying more and not always getting the benefit of the, the up cycles. For a carrier, uh, I think, again, it's all about trying to be thoughtful about, you don't want to try to perfectly time the market, but you want to be thoughtful about how you position yourself with, with your shippers. If shippers are doing shorter cycle bids, the other thing, of course, we see with shippers with the shorter cycle bids is also some shippers now saying, oh, we're going to extend the bid through the, the peak, of course, right? So shippers are trying to time this as well. Shippers are doing their forecasts and trying to figure, okay, what's the ideal Maybe three months is an ideal because then I'd be repricing as it starts to rise. I'd rather maybe do a six-month price. Um, I think a lot of the reason those three months, we're seeing that this year, of course, really explode is because rates have been dropping. So shippers, of course, want to come back to market frequently. I think that the truth of is it is as a carrier, it's always going to be hard. Um, it's always going to be hard to get the, sh the shipper to take a longer horizon if I think that's the right play. But the shipper will always be able to get the carrier to take a shorter horizon if they think that's beneficial to them. You know, shippers tend to still wield the power in this market. And so that is a challenge. I think as a carrier, you should be thoughtful about the contract you're entering in. Of course, shorter cycle contract is less risk. That's the advantage. Whenever you're doing a shorter bid, a three-month, six-month commitment, that's less risk than a 10-month or a 12-month commitment. Uh, but it also means potentially then you're going to be renegotiating. You're not going to get the same profit that you would if if it was a long commitment on a down market. I think that's less of a concern next year. I think next year every carrier should want short cycle bids because the market's likely to turn upwards. It's going to be interesting to watch for sure. I want to finish out the last few minutes of our conversation talking specifically about Uber Freight. Last year, last summer, we had that massive acquisition, Uber Freight Transplace. You guys have just finished this integration of your two systems together. Talk to me a little bit about the entire process, bringing it all the way through now to integration, taking that solution to market and where you guys look now for the future, now that the initial work is done. We're at an incredibly exciting point of the merger right now because we've gotten through a lot of the basics. We've gotten through all the back-end systems and the difficult stuff, the stuff that doesn't necessarily add direct value to the business, but it's essential to bring these companies together and to get that value of, of bringing the teams together and to start to share more capabilities. Uh, ultimately, it's two exceptional companies that come from very different sides of the market. So Transplace is operating on behalf of the shipper, and that's their center of gravity. And we will continue to invest and build in those capabilities. But now we can add in all of the execution capability of uh, Uber Freight. And on the Uber Freight side, we've got this great execution capability. But now coming together with Transplace, we have all these additional services and capabilities and segments like like uh, specialized flatbed and bulk, and they're very big in Mexico. They've got cross-border capabilities. So bringing all those capabilities to our shippers allows us to just provide a lot more value on our shippers. And of course, from a tech investment now, 
we've been very focused on what we've built out on the Uber Freight side. Now we've got a lot more uh, of a sandbox to play in and to build out tech and to make investments and to be very thoughtful about how do we bring that same consumer grade, super easy, Uber-like experience to all these additional segments as well as to the core TM business on TransPlace. So how long before we see Uber Freight as a true worldwide digital freight marketplace? What's what's the goal timeline on that? I can't speculate, but I mean, we got Canada and and uh, Mexico pretty well locked now. So love that. The North America is the start. First, first, first up North America, next the world. Let's talk a little bit about F3 and being here in this really exciting atmosphere. Is there anything that you're really excited for to see these next few days or anything that stuck out to you day one? Well, what I always love about this event, and I think, you know, Craig and the whole team have done a great job of just bringing it's a really high caliber of attendee here. And so I, I was actually commenting to Craig earlier, like, I can't make it all the way down the hall because it's just, you know, this is, it's a small world, right? And so you run into the same people and it's always, you know, particularly after COVID, I think we we're still craving that connection. And so... You know, the best thing for me is just the networking and just uh, seeing people that I may have known for, in some cases, 20 years now. And so that's that's the biggest value for me. But I think, Craig, the whole team has done an incredible job just bringing a high quality of uh, and high caliber of attendee and the, the quality of the content and just the location, too. I haven't spent a lot of time in Chattanooga, but it's, it's uh, the fall colors here uh, right now are just fantastic. This is the best fall color that we've seen in the four years that I've lived here. This is like some of the best fall color that they've had in decades in Chattanooga. So I think everybody just got really lucky coming in this weekend. We don't really get get fall colors in the Bay. It's kind of, it's always just sunny. So this is a nice treat. Well, Bill, thank you so much for joining us for this fireside chat. Obviously, you guys are here this week at F3. But if people want to get in contact with y'all at Uber Freight on a regular basis, where can they go to do that? Well, uh, uberfreight.com or freight.uber.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again for this fireside chat. That does it for us here at the Bright Waves TV stage for the day, but we will be active all day tomorrow. Starting first thing, 745 tomorrow morning, myself and Anthony Smith will be here with Freight Waves Now. Best way to start your morning, if I do say so myself. You can catch us normally every day, Monday through Friday, live at 9 a.m. on FreightWaves.com. If not, this stage will be bumping the rest of the day as well. We'll have Freightonomics. We'll have Wissonar. The What the Truck Guys will be back tomorrow once again. We'll have some of our other shows here as well. You can find all of them on demand on tv.freightwaves.com. And of course, general session tomorrow starts at 8 a.m. sharp. Thank you guys for being here for the first day of the Future of Freight Festival. Go head out to those experiences this evening. We'll see you around. And if we don't see you tonight, we'll see you tomorrow morning.